This is the reality. If you once again welcome to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson, for the next half hour or so, we're going to be talking about the sure reality of the real meaning of life as found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I just say, as always, I do appreciate emails. If you'd like to drop me a note, please make note of this email address and write to me. I'd love to hear from you. It's dudley at surereality.net. The reality is produced by the listener-supported radio ministry, Sure Reality. From an early age, Fatima Oliver became emphatically convinced that pain and family were synonymous. Living with the trauma of physical and sexual abuse, abandonment issues, and horrible decision-making helped her develop a long and complicated relationship with anxiety and depression. Before I was even a teenager, I clearly had an understanding that family and love all equated to pain. I learned the mechanism of surviving. I learned how to um, internalize a lot of stuff. And so at the age of 19, I left home thinking that I was leaving a tumultuous situation and into freedom. And I actually married a man who was um, just as abusive as my stepfather was. And so it it just followed my life. We speak with Fatima Oliver via Skype for today's The Reality. Well, it's my pleasure today on The Reality to speak to Fatima Oliver from uh, from the US. Thank you for joining us today, uh, Fatima. You've got an amazing story to share of how the Lord stepped into your life and rescued you from a life of trauma and abuse. How did it all begin? Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm so just elated to be on the show. But um, right now I'm in my 40s, so it's, it's quite a tale. Um, but just as a child, um, I definitely um, experienced kind of like just abuse and just um, pain and sorrow and, and anything negative, truly, um, from such a young age. Um, at the age of two, I was actually um, a burn victim. I was burned on about 25% of my body, Good primarily my, my feet and, um, and also in my legs. And so just as two years old, um, having to learn how to eat, walk, and talk all over again, it's just that's a horrible way to start, start out your life. And, and if anything, that was a, a pretty good hint of how it was going to be. My. And so um, from just such a young age, I, I knew a lot of pain at the age of 11. Um, and, and beyond, um, earlier than that, um, I had two ab- abusive um, stepfathers, and one was um, physically abusive. Um, he, I think he, he wanted to be a good guy, but when um, alcohol would come into play, he would just you know lose all sense of reality, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, he often would abuse me and my older brother. Um, examples is like um, tying us up to chairs and just whooping us or, or, or hitting us with the belt. And I also saw my mom abused um, at his hands. I just remember at, at such a young age um, see, um, being in the corner 
while she was on the other end of the room um, in the corner as um, he was abusing her. And that's just like my one of my most early, mm. earliest memories. And mm. so um, it just was a way of life. And um, eventually that relationship died after having two more children. So I have um, I had four brothers, well, actually five, but um, at my mom, from my mom, it was three brothers and then myself. And um, and then from there, she got married again and he would sexually abuse me. And so um, that was around the age of 11. Hmm. And so just at a young age, before I was even a teenager, I, I clearly had an understanding that family and love all equated to pain. That's just what it was. And so um, I learned the mechanism of surviving the hardest things just because as a kid I had to. I learned how to um, internalize a lot of stuff and to just move on with life because that's what I was taught by those that were around me. And just kind of like to emotionally, emotionally disconnect because that was a way to um, kind of stay sane. And um, and so I carried that mindset throughout my young adulthood, really all the way into my mid 40s. Hmm. I um, thought I was running away from an abusive situation because my stepfather, who sexually abused me, uh, was around still after he was um, indicted and um, and he was still allowed to be around me. And so at the age of 19, I left home thinking that I was leaving a tumultuous situation and into freedom. And I actually married a man who was um, just as abusive as my stepfather was. And so it just it just followed my life as far as um, just the abusive nature, emotionally, mentally abusive, um, just feeling uh, a strong um, lack of worth. Of um of you know who I was and who I could be, and um and really truly believing that my life was kind of irrelevant in comparison to so many other people. So even though I was introdu- introduced to Christ, and even though I loved Him with as much as I could love Him, even though I didn't really know what love was, with all that I did know, I loved Him and I, I worshiped and, and tried my best to make Him central in my life. Even though I did all those things, I just felt like I was invisible to God and, and my pain was invisible to Him and I was invisible to the world. And I lived that way. Um, truly much of my life, much of my life I did. Mm. That's a really tragic story. Uh, so maybe if I can just ask a few questions. Uh, you mentioned yeah. you were burned. How did that happen? Yeah, so um, it, it was a water heater, a hot water heater. It was broken and nobody knew, I guess. And mm. um, and so my younger brother, actually, he was five, well, he was my older brother, but um, he was five at the time, and he would help, I guess, make my bath water. And so he was the one that actually started the water for me, uh, but it only spouted out hot water. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was put into the water, mm-hmm. not knowing that it was just all oh, scalding hot water. Goodness. And so when I screamed to try to get out, I was put back into the water with goodness. no one understanding that the water was hot, so hot. And um, it, it basically took off my skin Jeez. on my legs and my feet. Wow. And so, um, and even, you know, of course, once um, my mom and my stepdad 
um, realized what what was wrong. You know, they rushed me to the hospital, um, but it just took me into such a, a stage of shock that honestly, I don't remember it happening even to this, you know, to, to this age. I, I have never been able to tap into that piece of my brain to relive it. And I've always been fascinated about wanting to know just because everybody else around me knew, but I did it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, um, but I only had the story to go off of. And so it's just been such a consistency in the story that wow. that's why I know what happened. Goodness but, I, but, you know, it's amazing how your brain can protect you because I've never been able to relive it <laughs> um, emotionally or mentally. And I've never had any memories of it. Um, at the same time, that's 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 um, a blessing and a curse in how your mind can work yeah, work like that yeah, because yeah. it also kept me captive to a lot of emotional torment throughout my life because um, I, I took things away. The emotional aspect of what I went through, I took mm-hmm. it away so mm-hmm. that I could move on with my life. Well, that's where I was going to get to because uh, with all this abuse, you know, um, you had tragedies in your life, uh, physical tragedy and in the burning but uh, uh, this must have really played out on your on your mental powers and 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 your your self-esteem Fatima how did you how did you view yourself through all of this yeah I mean I really felt through much of my life which is sad when I think about it now because I'm not that person and I just feel sad for that person Um, but I really felt just um, discardable Um, just that um I just wasn't significant in anybody's life. Mm. My father wasn't around. Um, um, I, you know, it, was a, it was a single parent home and my mom did the best she could. Can I really do believe that um, she did the best that she could regarding raising us. But I also know that she uh, was broken herself by the things that she went through as a child, as well as abusive spouses. And so she often parented from a place of frustration. Mm. And so even when she wasn't trying to be kind of like hard or abusive or, you know, borderline abusive, it came out that way because she was so angry all the time. And so truly, and just growing up with a bunch of boys around me and nobody really relating to me as a young girl, even though my mom, of course, she was a woman, but she you know, but she she was raising, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, she was raising boys, you know. Mm. And so um, just having that reality, it was just like um, I just didn't feel that anybody connected with me. And that was the loneliness part. So most of my life, I really felt um, like I had no one, that no one understood me. And truly, I didn't understand myself. And so um, I would start to um, plead for help, but not in the best way. So I would um, attempt suicide on multiple occasions. As a teenager, as a young adult, I attempted suicide, um, threatening to slice my wrist or taking pills um, uh, a lot of times. Um, but at that time, I really feel like I was screaming for help. Like I really feel in my heart that I just wanted somebody to say, how can we help you? And nobody ever did. It was trying to say, no, don't do that. But nobody ever said, how can we help you? Or what do you need from us? And so, and I didn't know that that's what I needed them to say, but clearly I did. Mm -hmm. And then as an adult, um, it just became um, more real to me that I didn't want to be on this earth. And so um, there were definite times where um, I tried to take my life and I really meant it. 
And um, and eventually, um, after I had two children and had left an abusive relationship and had a fiance and it seemed like my life was good, um, I just couldn't get my thoughts together. And I would constantly think about ending my life where um, in that one moment where I just pleaded to God at, and I had pleaded to him plenty of times prior. Hmm. But in that mo- scariest, one of the scariest moments of my life where I really knew that I did, couldn't control my thoughts any longer and that I really, truly wanted to just drive my car through an intersection at full speed. And I was scared of that. And I prayed in my car and I just remember God it was like for the first time I ever heard his voice mm-hmm. and it and it was Fatima go to the doctor and it was just such a simple answer <laughs> that it just didn't seem real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like, like, it was like something something I never thought of before. Oh, you mean go to the doctor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Right. It was such Jeez. a profound, simple answer. And um but it took a lot of um releasing of my pride. Um I'm a believer now that um, help begins with humility. And that was a moment where I had to humble myself Mm -hmm. and go to the doctor and speak with somebody and share with them my deepest, darkest thoughts that I had not shared with anybody to get help. And in that moment, I found out that I was clinically depressed. Yes. Wow. I could well imagine. So uh, through through all of this and through your childhood, uh, Fatima, were you introduced to Jesus? Did you have any sort of Christian upbringing at all? No, so well, actually, I grew up a Buddhist, <laughs> and um, yeah, I was a Buddhist. Buddhism runs in my family. It's called Nichiren Daishonin Buddhism, and um, it, it, it. My grandmother was a Buddhist on my mom's side, and um, when she passed away, I'm gonna. I, I gotta believe that she she taught her children, and when she passed away, it just um, lived on in my family. So I have uncles and aunts. Um, relative, uh, cousins, my brothers, my mom, mm. um, who are Buddhists. And so I grew up a Buddhist from my youngest memory. Um, I recall going to what we consider the Kaikon or community center uh, where the Christians would say a church. Uh, we viewed it as a community center where we would go and come together and we would um, do prayers and we would consider them chanting. We would do different chantings. Mm. And, um, and yeah, it wasn't until I, I, I was 19 where I decided that I wanted to look in a different direction, where I started questioning what I was doing and if it made sense to me. I'm a very analytical person, which is funny because it was the analytical side that made me question everything I was doing in in Buddhism to lead me to Christianity. Yet Christianity is all about faith. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) You know, and it's a lot of things that just don't make sense. And um, I really have had to learn that 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 has been such a struggle is learning to grow in my faith because I'm such an analytical um, person. I'm such a grounded one plus one equals two. So when God says one plus one equals a thousand, it's like that doesn't make sense to me. And so I I could spend so much time trying to figure out why that doesn't make sense to me, trying to prove why that doesn't make sense. And over the years, truly through the most painful moments in my life, I must say, is when I learned faith because I couldn't reason it. I couldn't reason why I was going through what I was going through and I couldn't reason how to get out of it. And I didn't have the energy or the just anything, mental capacity to walk myself through the other side. And all I had was to get on my knees and pray to God Mm. where faith took, took root into my life. And that is when I learned to 
um, accept that um, God a lot of times doesn't make sense. Um, and that faith, if you want to debate it, may not even make sense. But um, but that is where my strength comes from and that his strength is made perfect in my times of weakness and that I've seen it happen in my life when I lost my brother and I've seen it happen in my life when I lost my child. And it's just it's things that are so unexplainable. My analytical side is truly taking a back seat when it comes to my Christian walk. It just runs over time in work and everywhere else. Mm, mm. <laughs> amazing, amazing. The reality is produced in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. You can listen again to this radio program online at gnba.net. For more information about GNBA and other radio programs that we produce, send an email to info at gnba.net. That is, email us info at gnba.net. You are listening to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about real reality as found in a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson. Really good to have your company. Thank you for joining us. I do appreciate emails very much indeed. If you're listening up and you've got some questions and you'd like us to pray or perhaps just just chat together, do write me an email, Dudley, that is D-U-D-L-E-Y, Dudley at surereality.net. The reality is produced by the listener-supported radio ministry, Sure Reality. Find out more at surereality.net. Today we're speaking with Fatima Oliver. Fatima has described how her life, her early life, was dreadful, terrible early life that she had as a child. She was convinced that pain and family were synonymous. Having grown up as a Buddhist, Fatima had little understanding of who Jesus was. But God sowed the seed of his love through the presentation of the message of faith as heard on Christian television. So she humbled herself and swung from a life of pure logic and reason to faith in the one who rescued her from death. As she says, help begins with humility. Fatima continues to explain how her life had degraded to the point of suicide. If you read it on paper, it makes sense that I would be suicidal. It made sense that I would feel a lack of worth and that I would be, quote unquote, damaged. Um, but God just is so merciful. And he had his hand on me um, um, as a child because I did grow up as a Buddhist. But I didn't state to you that um, there were definite um, relatives who had kind of teetered back and forth from, from Buddhism to Christianity. And sometimes I would go and stay over at an aunt's house who would play gospel music crazy early in the morning. And, mm. and um, I really believe that those songs, those hymns or those messages um, planted a seed in my in my soul um, and it was just waiting to grow. And then when I became 19, um, I met a boy because it's always something has to do with a boy. <laughs> and I met a boy who was a Christian and um, he entertained my questions. Um, I don't think that he tried to to change my thinking. He just entertained the questions that I had by that time. And um, his mom, um, she um, always had on Christian networks on her TV. And honestly, when we broke up for a time, um, I started searching for that Christian channel on my TV. 
um, as a newly um, a newly resident into the to re, into the real world at 19 years old, living on my own. Mm-hmm. And I found the Christian network that she used to watch on her TV all the time. And they were sent, saying the sinner's prayer around mm-hmm. the time when I turned it on and I was so heartbroken from the breakup that anybody praying I was listening to and they were um um, reciting the sinner's prayer and I recited the sinner's prayer and that's truly how I became saved. It was over the TV watching someone on a network um, reciting the sinner's prayer. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So you called on God uh, and you, you heard God's voice in the car uh, yeah. and then you you found God on television and gave yeah. your life to Jesus. What an incredible story, Fatima. So when, once you'd given your life to Jesus, you still had all this hurt, all this pain, all these memories in your life. How did the Lord begin to heal you up? It was gradual. I think it was baby steps, and it was just slowly um, growing my faith in Him. It was, um, like I said, I had I had left um, my my home um, and went straight into uh, a relationship with the boy at the time, who would later become my my husband. And um, it started out wonderfully, and then it just became tumultuous, and he was very abusive. Um, intermittently, I guess I would say it wasn't every day, but it was enough. And um, throughout the nine years we were married, um, it was it was very tough. And it was in that moments of loneliness where I felt that um, nobody understood what I was going through, that um, by then I knew who Christ was. I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to, so I often spoke to him. And um, just regular conversations, I had a godfather who was actually um, a part of a family that um, invited me into their church. And after learning my story about being a Buddhist and wanting to learn about God, they actually um, invited me to their church and baptized me and taught me about Jesus Christ Hmm. and then adopted me into their family as their godchild. So I, I reference him a lot in my book as my godfather. And one of the key things he always told me was, Number one, the church is a spiritual hospital. Nobody in the church is um, perfect, even if they look like they are. Mm-hmm. They have their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And number two, that God knows everything. He knows everything in your heart. He, he He knows all of it, whether you say it or you don't. So you might as well say it. And so um, it was a lot of times where I just spoke what was on my heart, just like I'm speaking to you today. I spoke Mm -hmm. to him just like that. Mm -hmm. And that's how my prayers were, just as simple as this, of God, I'm in so much pain. Um, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know who to talk to. Just just conversating like I would to a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And and then eventually it went from God saved my marriage, God healed my marriage, God tell me what to do to God save me, mm-hmm. um, help me. And God, how can I even leave? I don't have a job. I don't have a car. Everything is through him because my son, my first child was um, premature three months. So I stayed home with him for two years. So now I don't have a job. God help me. If I want to leave, how do I leave? And, um, and um, different things transpired that allowed me to be able to um, get a job. I actually wound up being a singer for, um, a background singer for a group um, Mm. called, um, an American group called the Righteous Brothers. Mm. And I was um, a background singer for them for about four, a little over four years. And in that, in that moment where it was just like, it just fell in my lap, nothing falls in your lap, but it just fell in my lap. 
And um, it gave me the courage to be able to um, see that I'm, I'm somebody outside of my marriage. I'm a person outside of my marriage. And I was able to get a car and I was able to save some money. The things that I was praying that I didn't have to leave, I was beginning to get. And so it was it was slow. Things like that that were starting to happen in my life as I continued to put God the center of every struggle, the center of every joy, the center of every surprise, um, every aha moment. He was at the center of it all. I, t- I spoke to him in every facet of my life. Um, and while I was going through that, he was listening to my prayers, even though I felt like sometimes I was just praying and the, the prayers were just bouncing off the wall. He was hearing them and things were transpiring that was giving me an opportunity to change my circumstances. And the question was, was I going to walk through the doors? And eventually I got the courage to walk through the doors. And then eventually I got the courage to pack up my things. And um, honestly, I didn't move into a a place on my own. I didn't move into a nice spot somewhere with all my background singing money. I moved in with my cousin and I slept on her couch with my son, um, with my humble vehicle. And I stayed with her for about two months um, while I, I worked to get my life together. And that's how I left my husband. I didn't leave into some ritzy place, but my desire for greater for my life became more important than where my destination would be if I left him. And um, and with God's um, with God's support and his courage, I packed up my home as much as I could. And me and my son and my humble vehicle moved in with my cousin and I slept on our couch. We slept on our couch until um, I was able to make some other um, other decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's how I left. And so it it wasn't that um, praying to God and asking for his help got me this grand um, upgraded life. Not at all. I went from it seemingly a grand life to humble means, actually, because my um, we lived a, in a nice area and seemingly had nice things. And I left those things for my peace of mind and for my safety. And um, and God was with me through those toughest moments of my life. Um, there's nobody I felt that was closer to me but him. Mm. But it was through keeping close to him, not just through that moment, but through other moments in my life where I truly believe nobody could ever convince me that my hurt and his healing, they collided. We were on different ways. He was coming towards me and I was walking blindly, not knowing that I was coming towards him, but continually to pray and continuing to keep him center of my life and making him my best friend, even through my most painful moments. Eventually we collided and he healed me and it was gradual. It did not happen overnight. It actually took me to um, as far as immense, deep, dirty healing um, through all that stuff that I had made through, made it through, but didn't deal with the emotional aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That did not truly occur until about two years ago um, when I got to a, another place where I was scared. I didn't recognize myself. I had been on medicine. I had been diagnosed with clinical depression. I had went to the doctor. That was about 10, 12 years prior and the medicine wasn't doing it for me anymore. And I was starting to have those feelings again. And um, I was in a very scary space where I felt forced to go to therapy. And um, it was actually through that time where I believe that um, God um, really came through the help of a therapist and um, helped me to get um um, some more deeper meaning to my life and some and some deep rooted healing that was definitely um, necessary. 
Praise God. So he stepped in and he provided the resources as God always does. Uh, that's an amazing uh, story, Fatima. You know, uh, I just love the fact that you said faith doesn't make sense. And then uh, further on your, in your story, you, you, you spoke about a collision. It's a collision of faith, isn't it? How God just says, watch the space. You don't you really, you really don't understand, but watch. And, and he steps in. And not only does he save us, but he reveals himself to us as a loving, yes. caring father. Mm-hmm. Fatima, it's been beautiful talking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I believe you, you have You're a welcome. book. Tell us quickly about the book. Yes, the book is called The Prescription is in the Dirt, and it is on Amazon and in Kindle and paperback. And it basically talks about my journey through um, the dirt of my life, things that I shared with you today, but also got redemptive power. And I'm so excited about it. And um, everyone can get it on um, on, on um, Amazon in hmm. Kindle form as well as paperback. Fantastic. The Prescription is in the Dirt by Fatima Oliver. Thank you so much, Fatima, for joining us today. Wish you all the best. Thank you indeed. Thank you so much. Today on The Reality, we've been speaking to Fatima Oliver. Just to mention once again, her book is entitled Prescription is in the Dirt. Find it where books are sold online. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Please find out more at our website, surereality.net, or drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. Listen again and find out more at their website, gnba.net. From me to you, as always, keep walking in that sure reality of Christ. Christ.